fans and happy new year you are listening to holding the high line with rabbi and red my name is matt pollard i am coming to you on tuesday january 10th 2023 the day of the 2023 colorado rapids media day argentina and messi are champions of the world joining me now a man who is super excited for the fa cup episode of season two of wrexham till i die rabbi mark goodman Good to see you, Matt. It's been a long time. Seen you've been up up scheming, skiing, scheming. You've been scheming. You've been. I've seen you up skiing uh, on your Insta, and uh, I've been off with the family in Disney World. And neither of us got to um, break the big news to our our podcast listeners. So, podcast listeners, if if you didn't if you didn't catch this story in the media, we're really sorry. Um, yeah, Argentina won the World Cup. Uh, it's a big surprise. <laughs> I, I know that uh, a lot of you um, have not caught up on the podcast in the last couple of weeks. And so you were waiting to find out who won the World Cup final from me and Matt. But it was Argentina. Messi won his first World Cup. Pretty big news, Matt. Yeah, good stuff there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. So, uh, Mark, let's I guess let's recap it quickly. Um, World Cup ha- World Cup final happened. It was awesome. Um, I think if you look back at historians, I think it's the 1970 World Cup that um, modern historians say that like in the modern era, the World Cup is better. This is the this might be the best cup final that I've ever watched, Mark. And that's what less than a month, two months after the MLS Cup final, which was obviously also spectacular. Um, I was so happy for Messi. I'll be honest. I was normally as a neutral. There's not a team that I'm objectively watching and I really want to win. I was neutral in 2014. I would have been happy for Germany or for uh, Argentina to win. I would have been happy for either team that would have won it in 2018. But given that France were coming in as defending champions, given that comfortably Mbappe has two more World Cups in his prime and probably three where he's still a force given what the... um, the physical treatment and health treatment that we've seen from players going into their early and mid thirties. I wanted this for Messi so bad. I felt like cathartically living vicariously through a very good friend from undergrad marching band who was Argentinian. I was happy for him. Mark, how did you take in the world cup final? Happy, sad, joyous for Messi who obviously will be signing for the Rapids in a year. Nice. I was, uh, yeah, as a, my only reason for supporting Argentina was, um, one of those I told you so moments, which we all do when we fill out brackets, because I picked Argentina to win it in my Pittsburgh Soccer Now bracket, and I wound up um, winning um, amongst all of our soccer writers. I was the most expert, um, which Matt is probably going to laugh at, because when I play a fantasy against Matt, he crushes me, because Matt is really good at fantasy. Um, if the MLS fantasy website could offer better cash prizes or for that matter any cash prize whatsoever um we should turn into a a uh, fantasy podcast but i think 
one of the things that uh, most people who are smart about um, like brackets and fantasy is you don't go to a cocktail party and start a conversation about who you picked in your bracket or how well your fantasy team did last week because uh, generally that doesn't impress anybody, you know, although to be honest, what at a cocktail party is worth discussing. Um, soccer is always, but that's just me. So I, I was, I was really happy to see Messi win it. I agree with Matt hundred percent. Mbappe's young. He's going to win a few more. Um, yeah. And Olivier Giroud, uh, he's done all the things he doesn't need anymore. So, um, but it was, it was a, gr- the other thing that was important was it was a great final, you know, it was extremely exciting. Um, you know, goals, uh, goals at the end, goals in extra time, um, an exciting penalty kick shootout. I mean, it was really great. The only thing that was difficult was I had to work that day. So I spent the first hour of the World Cup kind of sneaking glances at my laptop while also, no joke, Matthew, running the synagogue dreidel tournament. So um, <laughs> uh, if you go on my if you go on my Facebook, you'll see that I or on my Twitter, you'll see that I crowned and handed out a, a big a big cup that day. And the cup has a little tiny dreidel on the top of it because we crowned a uh, some sixth grader won the 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 dreidel competition and and that was my job i was uh uh mark clatterberging the dreidel tournament second greatest trophy to be awarded on december 18th 2022 <laughs> um so what what was the question that i was going to ask there uh, that, that i was going to ask there Rev? like i i don't know how one like first nights of hanukkah and then does an actual world cup thankfully for many reasons uh i I am a member of a religious group that does not have a whole lot of holidays and doesn't have a whole lot going on in the summer or around the typical December holidays that free me up to do other things. Uh, Rabbi, anything that we want to say about the, uh, the the winter holidays or anything? Did you get anything good and soccer related for Hanukkah? No, Hanukkah is a holiday where you buy things for your kids. You know, you don't uh, you don't uh, really I don't expect to get anything for that holiday. So. Um, we're just glad we didn't set the house on fire. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good holiday. Latkes were made, um, applesauce and sour cream were consumed. Everybody had a good old time. And then we went down to Disney and, and, uh, ate all the things and just ate our way across Florida, which was great. So we had a good time. It was nice to be in nice weather because Pittsburgh at this time of year is just gray, gray, gray. Listeners, this past Friday, January 6th, the Colorado Rapids opened up their 2023 MLS preseason. Mark, they are currently at Dick Sporting Goods Park. I was at DSG in the Summit Club earlier today for uh, Media Day. The first, I'd say, proper setup one that we've had since the start of COVID. So that was nice to see another little bit of normalcy happening there. Um, The Rapids have not done any, like, big team on the field activities. It's been mostly gym and then physio on the treadmill stuff as well. So uh, Mark, the club did put out a really nice uh, photo of Michael Barrios doing some cardio stuff with the breathing mask thing that makes him look like Bane, which is absolutely fun. Um, But uh, this coming uh, January 12th, the Rapids will be heading down to Santiago de de Querétaro in Mexico for um, a three-week stint in Mexico training at altitude and also nice weather. And included in that, Mark, they will be playing three friendlies against... um, Mexican opponents first Celaya FC and Minaros de Zacatecas um, who are both in the second division in Mexico and then Liga MX side Querétaro who were vaguely familiar from I'm pretty sure they've been in CCL sometime in the last couple of years Mark and then uh, beginning they had Ronaldinho on their team for a couple of years or for a year 
when he was terrible, when he was like, when he was fat, lazy, uh, never show up for practice, Ronaldinho. Okay, and then uh, after that, the rabbis will be, or the rabbis, the rabbits, the rap, the rapids. <laughs> We're in preseason form here, folks, just like the rapids. Uh, the Colorado Rapids will be heading on February 5th down to Orlando uh, to the Champions Gate Complex where they'll be training for the rest of their preseason. And then, Mark, the, that will include three other preseason friendlies on February 11th. They'll be taking on Orlando City SC, the Miami FC on the 15th. That's the USL Championship team, folks, not to be confused uh usl championship former nasl team i believe question mark not to be confused with inner miami cf um and then on february 18th they'll be playing philadelphia union and then from orlando they will be heading straight to seattle to open up their season on february 26th at lumen field against los sounders mark your initial reaction to the preseason schedule your thoughts on the rapids heading out to mexico um and then do do we just want to have that lead into a conversation about all six of these games being behind closed doors and according to birdies that may or may not have told me things in the last week mark likely no live streams for rapids fans out of market that's that's what i expected um yeah you know when it initially happened i was furious um i get it i know i i understand i know that the team doesn't really the coach is trying to balance giving opponents a competitive advantage and feeling free as a coach to play whichever players still need to figure out whether they're going to fit on the roster or whether they're going to get cut without, you know, feeling the pressure of having that poor kid's parents watch that game on a live stream or see that game from the stands and know that that kid is eventually going to get cut down the road, right? Like, you want to be able to play games closed doors um and make decisions off of them where there's no pressure from the outside. And that's why the Rapids have always played one or two closed door games. Balancing that against the fact that um, us as pundits want something to talk about in preseason to season ticket holders and potential season ticket holders and potential ticket holders and Rapids fans want to look at the team so that they can get excited about it so they can buy merch and get amped for the season and buy tickets. Um, that's the trade-off when you go closed door, because me and you aren't going to have anything intelligent to say about how the Rapids played in these six games, because we will not have seen these games. Fans won't be excited about the season like they were a year or two or three ago, because they won't have seen the team play. And so the lack of access has a real downside. And I find that um, something that I don't think the team is properly considering. I would assume that the senior brass sat down and said, we're going to have some games. We're going to have them in two spurts. We're going to play these teams. Let's make them close door and not offer a stream because why bother? Right. And um, I think that that on some level totally sucks. Like it's just, it's just bad for, you know, we, we want the Colorado Rapids to grow as a brand in Colorado. We want selfishly, more fans so that there are more podcast listeners and we want more fans so that the Colorado Rapids generate more income and become a better team. And it's harder to do that when they do it in silence. So that's, that's, I think the most important take from me. That being said, playing at altitude in Querétaro, um, playing against two MLS opponents, plus uh, Miami FC, who is a very good USL team. They came to, to play um, 
the Riverhounds uh, once last year, and I was covering that game. So I've seen them for years. Um, they're a quality side. They usually uh, put on a lot of physical talent. They'll be a difficult uh, match for the Rapids to go against. So it's a good lineup. Um, I just wish we could see it. Yeah, to your point, Mark, I think it's it's frustrating that there's not going to be any real hype around it because, you know, even I think at that point, it gives the two clubs complete control in terms of what gets released. You know, Mark, we've covered this team and other teams in preseason. You know, you comment on if Pittsburgh does things, you know, very differently where there's a closed door scrimmage and then maybe we don't get details about it. Maybe you get a starting lineup, maybe a list of substitutes, not necessarily who subbed in or what minute they subbed in. And maybe you get a score line and then ultimately who scored the goals. And that's not a lot from a content standpoint to go off of and you compare it to at least other sports you know every single other major sport that we have in this country has some form of a you know preseason schedule with a broadcast and then teams or uh, co players fans being able to attend those games as well and then even with you know you look at college football that doesn't have a proper preseason game normally there's you know there's a whole media structure set up around to get film and get an understanding and teams release depth charts and everything and so there's potentially the ability for the Rapids to not put out any information on this we don't have a sense of who's starting who's summing in minutes or anything like that and then there's nothing to go off of and so I can see where that's frustrating for fans it's difficult Mark for you and me as members of the media to try and come up with content where there's not even a highlight reel package or that, you know, then we have to go off of, you know, um, virtual media availability, which my understanding is folks at the the club will be making that available to people like me and Mark and Brendan Plone and other people who are at Rapids Media Day today, but it's difficult to hype things up as well. And so, Rabbi, I think, I think you and I are really, really hoping then on February 1st that Apple TV really gets the ground running, just like all of the extra Premier League stuff that's available on Peacock that you have all of that, whether it's the the whip around or the weekly show that Mark, you and I have been banging the drum on for Twitter to actually happen, that it doesn't look like it's uh, at least necessarily in the works. And Rabbi, I'm not sure, did you see the uh, thread from Pablo Maurer from The Athletic earlier today about content that could be coming out um, from every single club? I did not. I only saw the big release of the uh, studio play-by-play and um, color commentators that Apple were doing. But go ahead, tell us about what Maurer said. First of all, congratulations to uh, Marcelo Balboa, who will be on the Spanish language broadcast side of their, I assume, Mark, working with Diego Valeria, which I think is pretty cool. I don't speak Spanish that good, but I would learn it a lot better if it meant I got to work with Diego Valeria instead of you. But so, thread from Pablo Maurer at MLSS on Twitter. Great follow, folks. He is a bit of a troll, but he does good work, as I'm about to describe. Got my hands on recent got my hands recently on a document MLS distributed to its clubs last month. In it, the league lays out expectations for what each of its clubs need to provide in terms of video content for this new Apple TV deal. And then here's the threat. Within the MLS season pass, that's the where you actually have to pay for it on top of just getting Apple TV folks. Each club will have their own vertical. In this doc, they're being called club rooms in air quotes. None of this content uh, that's in these club rooms is exclusive to MLS Season Pass. A lot of it might get run on club social, websites, etc. A few initial offerings. The Ritual, uh, which seems to be a fan-focused piece that lays out club traditions, supporter culture, etc. A series of two-minute-long profiles on a dozen of each of the club's players run all year. A five-episode series on iconic players, coaches, etc. A minimum of five classic club moments pieces, uh, which will look back at club history at least two minutes long. 
long. This document also lays out in-season content that includes a weekly first-team report, at least three minutes, basically just training updates, B-roll, news, uh, match previews, etc. Um, the club has to deliver every post-game press conference for regular season playoffs and leagues cut matches. So, Mark, there's potentially a lot of content that was just me and Brendan Plone on a Zoom call with Robin Frazier that now it's going to be out there in the ether for the public. Um Monthly content includes a community report focused on what each club is doing locally. Super fascinated to see what the Rapids do with that. And an academy report. Uh, there's also an MLS Next Pro focused video offering two times a month during the league season. League-wide, I've heard that from folks at clubs that this might be a bit too heavy of a load. Whatever the case is, one thing is clear. Some clubs, the ones which are already delivering great content to fans, are well-equipped for this. Others will have some catching up to do. Anyways, enjoy. Mark, the Colorado Rapids could hire a brand new person who could do this full time and nothing else and still be a very busy individual. Yeah, you know, to the Rapids credit, the digital and video team have always been very strong, but it's never been a big department. It's always been three or four people um, and they're producing all of that video that gets consumed during the game. They were uh, kind of, I think, also involved in some of the altitude um, uh, broadcast stuff. So it's a it's a heavy lift. I mean, it's a small team that they do. They've done great work as a small team, but um, it sounds like the league is asking them to do more than they've ever been asked to do. We'll see if they can step up for it. It's a great question. Um, You know, we've always been the smallest market team in the league in terms of spending on these kinds of things. So the question of like how how much are they going to be pushed to spend out of their comfort zone zone and is um quality going to suffer as a result. It, we'll wait and see. I'm not optimistic. Um should I share uh, uh my thoughts on uh the um new announcers Matt? Is that a worthy announcement for now? Uh, Just the last thing that I was going to say on that, Mark, I think it's really it's a good sign for me that Apple TV's buying in on having evergreen content and stuff to like introduce people to the league as well. You know, like the Rapids have done a really good job with the Elevate series that they put out. But where other than like random anniversaries of stuff, do you get, you know, you know, highlights of, you know, top club players or, you know, moments or things like that other than, you know, in the old history stuff that comes up, when do we see highlights from 1997 making MLS? Cup. Do we see stuff from MLS Cup 2010 other than that particular week in November? Not a whole lot. And so the fact that they're building this out, there's educational stuff on the current players, there's educational stuff on club history. That's something to where someone who's a casual fan of an MLS team or a casual Rapids fan or a casual soccer fan that gets this and like then it's an introductory thing, you know, in ways in which I think the NBC in its first couple years did a really good job of that. There there's a whole TV show on Apple TV that was based on the premise of a commercial that was making fun of Americans learning the game through the eyes of an American football coach coaching a Premier League team in Ted Lasso coach Tottenham. So I, I think it's nice to see all of that content. If it's done really well and if it's organized visually to where it's super easy to get, that's a really easy way to introduce fans to that. Um, I've gotten my dad and my brother Mark better into the Premier League and the thing that they've really liked watching on Peacock has been the Premier League big interviews that they've done with an individual player where they'll see them and I'll mention them and so like they know who Alexander Mitrovic is but then it's like the oh they see the big Premier League, uh, Premier League interview, then 
they get a better sense of that? Do the Rapids knock it out of the park with that stuff to where it's really easy to, in like two hours, catch up on Rapids history and then be more informed is a really good question. And hopefully Apple TV has an answer to that. Rabbi, you were saying. Oh, I just wanted to share that today the um, the uh, Apple TV MLS season pass announcers got uh, announced. Um, they are Kendra Saint Aubin, Maurice Adu, Lori Lindsay, Daniel Slayton, Taylor Twelman, Marcella Balboa, Sebastian Latou, Sasha Kleschen, and Bradley Wright Phillips. I just want to say something about them before I flip the page to the next six. Um, Des Saint Austin, Des Saint Aubin has done color commentary in Minnesota. Um, I've always found her work quite good. Um, Danielle Slayton's actually one of my favorites who I've been listening to for years and said, wow, she needs a bigger platform. I was really glad that uh, Apple picked her up. She's been doing um, color commentary in San-, San Jose for the last couple of years. She does a great job. I'm really excited to see her work. Um, Taylor Twelman, I've always been a fan of with ESPN. Maurice Adu, I think he's mostly been with Fox, if that's right, Matt. Fox and then uh, on the Atlanta United broadcast. Yeah, yeah. And he's wonderful. He's really, uh, he's he's one of those rare players who gives a very level-headed perspective without getting too complicated, but he's very personable. Um, Lori Lindsay, uh, I don't know very well. Um, Cello Balboa, no, I don't need to explain to you. And then there's three rookies here, which is Sebastian Latou, former Colorado Rapid. He was only a, a half-season um, addition to the ball club in 2016. Sasha Kleschen, who just retired two days ago and clearly landed right into a new job, um, who's always a wonderful player for the USMNT, and Bradley Wright Phillips, who was a legend for um, New York Red Bull and and a few other teams in MLS, um, is an interesting. Uh, th- those are all rookies, though. Um, the second page is um, Diego Valeri, Liam McHugh, Jillian Sakovitz. Um, Tony Churchy, Mac, uh, those are all the in-studio people. That for me is a very interesting mix. I'm not sure that's going to work. Um, Sakovitz is fine. Um, I've never been blown away by her or anything else. I don't know Liam McHugh or Tony Churchy, and I've never seen Diego Valeri, uh, behind a microphone. So putting them in the studio, it's either going to work or not. Studio teams, as you can tell from the Paramount broadcast, um, from the Fox broadcast and from the ESPN broadcast. It's all about chemistry, right? Do you guys riff off each other? Are you funny? Um, are they relaxed? Are they going to be uptight? Is someone going to be knowledgeable? Is this going to be a bunch of meatheads chuckling for, you know, four hours like the NFL pregame shows or what? Um, and then you get some play, but the main play-by-play guys, Max Bretos, Steve Can- Cangielosi, Jake Ziven, who I think was in Portland, um, Pablo Ramirez, who's been with Liga MX up till now, interestingly. Um, so I assume Pablo Ramirez will be doing the Spanish play-by-play. Um, and Frederick Lord, who I don't know anything about. So it's kind of a mixed bag for me with play-by-play. I'm not a huge Max Bretos fan. Uh, I think he's fine. But if you were to tell me who are the best play-by-play guys in MLS of all the broadcasts I've watched, he wouldn't rank in the top three for me. So... That was an interesting call. Um, I'm I'm gonna reserve judgment about all these guys. Jake Zivin's fine. I mean, I I like his work. Um, I think he's he's above average, but um, I'm not so sure that this is the strongest lineup for English speaking play by plays. Um, we could have gone with. I'm I'm pretty happy with the rest of the lineup though. Any thoughts, Matt? 
Yeah, just two quick things that I wanted to add, Mark. I know Sebastian Latou, at least somewhat part-time, had been doing some media stuff with the Philadelphia Union in studio. And then at times when Sasha Kleschen was injured in his last two years with the LA Galaxy, he was either doing he was doing a little bit of radio and then also doing some stuff for Los Dos when they were doing their broadcasts on ESPN. Or excuse me, it might have been radio, it might have been locally on the actual LA Galaxy website. So some of them, they've dabbled in media as well. But to your point, Mark, this is a there's a solid group of I think core like the actual media people there's a good group of people that maybe did something else in soccer or who've been around MLS but have good experience that they're bringing maybe into a slightly adjacent role and then there's some guy there's some players that they brought in who are very knowledgeable of the league but maybe are going to be learning on the job and maybe there to be color or filler not necessarily in a bad way Mark but you know if you're bringing on you know Shaq you know Shaquille O'Neal's first time on inside the NBA he wasn't there to be like a you know, he was there to be Shaq and bring his bravado as well. And so I'm sure Diego Valeri and Klesjin and Latou are all very knowledgeable about the league. They're all, um, all relatively articulate players from the media availability they had. That doesn't necessarily mean that'll translate into them being good commentators. Mark, we've seen, you know, former players that have been absolutely abysmal. And then we've seen color commentators that have become better analysts. And then one generation later, people completely forget that they played or don't know a whole lot about their playing career as well. And so we'll see how it goes. But overall, a good first lineup. It is a little short on numbers. If you're talking about the actual broadcast teams, Mark, I think it's six and six in both languages. And with the simultaneous kickoffs and most Saturdays teams being 730 p.m., you could not do an Eastern Conference kickoff at 730 and then necessarily be immediately available for a kickoff in the mountain time zone as well you could in theory do an eastern conference time zone game and then assuming there's no weather delay or a you know a qatar level of extra time then have another 30 minutes to then pre-game into a kickoff on the pacific time zone but mark i think they're gonna have to double those number of broadcasts they have in order to properly cover you know the what 14 games potentially on a single match day they're gonna get on a saturday we'll see what happens we know that broadcast crew will not include Richard Fleming, but um, you know we'll see. Yep, I agree 100. percent The my my initial reaction was slight disappointment to the um, the lineup, but the immediate point that um, some of the folks on Twitter pointed out to me was they're announcing more players, uh, more more broadcast teams to to go. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Mark, uh, right before Christmas, the week of Christmas, we found out that the Colorado Rapids chose to waive Colin Warner. I confirmed that in the early part of preseason, maybe around the CCL games in 2022, Warner had signed a one-year extension through 2023. That, folks, was why the uh, why he was not listed as an available free agent and why he was listed as on the roster rather than having an option that needed to be picked up in the end-of-season press releases that the club ultimately put out he's now been waived mark my understanding of the mls rules then is that because of where warner is from a salary and then also a veteran status standpoint he's just in the pool of available players that other mls teams could pick up off of waivers relatively easy from a paperwork and a procedural standpoint uh warner is still being paid for that guaranteed contract through 2023 that is not a part of the rapids one offseason buyout option they have and that money's just coming from the general MLS collective entity 
I don't know, budget. It, it's coming from somewhere as most thing, most monies in MLS come from, Mark. The Rapids are not paying Colin Warner's salary as of right now, is my understanding. Rabbi, your, your thoughts on the timing of this? And I, I have to think on some level, maybe this is the end of the road for Colin Warner until one MLS team gets devastated by injuries at the number six. Yeah, my guess is that th- this was probably mostly a, we're going in a different direction. We want to free up the space. We probably don't want to play this guy um, uh, kind of decision. You know, the the question of whether Colin Werner is a better player at midfield than, for instance, Ali Laraz is a good one. One of the things that you do when you remove an older player from the lineup and you have a younger player there to fill in for him is you force the coach's hand. You basically make it so that he can't play Warner over Laraz. Um, or at least, you know, get him a, get him a spot there. That's one possibility. Um, but the main thing I think here is the point that you made, which is that it was probably the end of the line for Colin Warner. Um, there just wasn't much, um, you know, meat left on that bone. But if you're asking the question, like, does that really free up a whole lot of space? Not really. I mean, currently, according to my spreadsheet, um, the Rapids have two slots in the senior roster available, one slot in the supplemental roster, um, and probably one slot in the reserve roster. So there's not a lot of um, additional players to add, and it's only kind of a maybe that they're going to fill out that um, those last two spots on the senior roster. So did they really need to get rid of Warner to make um, room for a big player they were going to add? No, I don't think that's it. I think they just basically said, this guy's probably not going to play. We've got better players ahead of him. Time to just show him the door and, you know, be honest that, like, you weren't going to play this year anyways. We don't want to waste your time by having you be the long end of the of the bench. I mean, I think to some degree that's a little bit of the Drew Moore situation where Moore barely got any minutes last year. Um, and when he did, he didn't look super great. And, you know, it, he probably would have been... Um, it might have been a good idea for Moore to have retired last year. Um, so we're saving Colin Warner that that difficult decision at the end of this year. I also think maybe this is a maybe there was also the timing of it is what I find particularly interesting here, Rabbi, because, you know, you could have like you could have waived him at the beginning of the season or you could have waived him at the beginning of the offseason, thus making him available for the reentry draft and everything. And I, I don't know how much that would affect it. The fact that it's been, what, two, almost three weeks now at time of recording and no team has picked it up, I think, shows where the market for Colin Warner is as well. But I mean, effectively, I think he probably knew even if he played last year that he wasn't going to get that it was probably going to be 2023 and then he was going to have to retire or if he wanted to just go slug it out on the end of a bench in a USL championship team making like 30k a year in you know wherever playing in minor league ballparks that would have been an option for him for the summer of 2024 uh, can so, I say something uh thank you for saying that my theory when it happened I, I just remember this as you were talking Matt my theory is very odd but I think I'm right on this I think the team really respected the hell out of his career and said, listen, we never really paid you all that well. Here's the deal. We're going to sign you for another year. We're not going to keep you. Sometime in January, we're going to announce your release, but it's a guaranteed contract. You're going to walk with your $85,000 as severance pay for the year. And thanks for everything you did for us. I think when you make the league minimum um, as a senior player, the least the team can kind of do is say like, listen, 
we don't spend a whole lot on our players, but the least we could do is send you off with a nice little retirement package because so that's my theory that that, that they did him a courtesy by not waving him in the in the reentry before the reentry draft. I don't know, it's a weird theory. Maybe maybe it doesn't hold water. I don't think Mark that Porrick Smith went to Colin Warner, offered him a contract extension in February of 2022 and said, by the way, we're going to waive you before even the 2023 season started. I do not believe that was the uh, the series of events. That being said, Colin Warner is being made whole financially. And in theory, from a financial standpoint, he has a year to figure out what he's doing next. And uh, Mark, I'm sure there's plenty of coaching opportunities in Denver if he wanted to pursue that or do whatever else that he wants to do. And I think Warner was a rush guy too. So Colorado Rush have always been really proud of him, and and um, there aren't a lot of a whole lot of pro players out of Colorado Rush. So that might be a natural move for him. Mm-hmm. Well, according to his Twitter page here, Marka, uh, he played in. Uh, he was. Uh, he spent a little bit of time in the Liverpool Youth Academy in 2022. So I don't know if that is correct. Um, he was also at University of Portland. Maybe they need a coaching opportunity if he fancies moving back to Portland. But we'll see what happens with Colin Warner. Um, but Rabbi, let's move on. I podcasted after the uh, super draft mark, um, so I'll just uh, quickly uh, your thoughts generally on the draft, on the acquisitions of Calvin Harris, and if you have any poignant information based on you being more in touch with college soccer, particularly in the Northeast, than I am about uh, Moise Pompito out of the University of New Hampshire, and then Sim Liu, the goalkeeper from the uh, national champion Marshall Thundering Herd. The only thing I can say about Moise Bombito is it's a, he's an interesting uh, call because they they there's a lot of there was a lot of excitement during the draft. A lot of people were saying what a great player he is, how dominant he was as a player. And my only questions about Bombito were the University of New Hampshire didn't really play a very difficult lineup because they're not in a very difficult conference, and so it's just a really interesting question as to whether Bombito is going to translate to Major League Soccer where the the level is so much higher. The counter to my proposition is that Philip Mayaka was playing the best players in college soccer in the ACC, and he looked very good. And then he showed up at MLS and couldn't get it done. I mean, he didn't look good at all at the MLS level. So maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe raw physical tools and the ability to dominate in college soccer really matters, and Bombito will be fine. Um, I think Semele, the odds that he sticks are are low, so um, don't get too attached, folks. Uh, And I think the odds that Bombito sticks are are only moderate. So um, there's definitely room along the back line, I think, with Michael Edwards uh, going out. I think Bombito is the one-for-one replacement for him. But then, you know, Edwards didn't really do much for the team. Um, So we'll see what happens. I'm excited about Calvin Harris. Uh, he didn't really make much of a mark at Cincinnati. Uh, maybe with another year under his belt, he'll he'll make he'll make something happen. Um, he has a very Nicky Jackson kind of ability in which he's got raw physical tools, uh, pace, height, leaping ability, um, but he doesn't have a lot of kind of uh, from what I've seen and what I've I've read. Um, he's not necessarily a, a fantastic finisher or a great straight line dribbler. So um, that's kind of the book on how Nicky Jackson was with the Rapids. He had a couple of flashes, but he could never really develop beyond what he showed up as from um, from college. And so that's why he's back playing in USL. Maybe that's where Harris goes or maybe 
Harris is uh, raw potential that hasn't been tapped yet. We'll see. Uh, just a couple Ask HDHLs before we get out of here, Mark. Uh, listeners, we will be finishing off the show with the full interviews during the Rapids Media today from today from Jack Price and Cole Bassett. I have a few others as well that we're going to try and stretch out, especially, Mark, if we're not getting highlight reels on what uh, what the Rapids do against Carretero and the other Mexican teams. We're going to have to make those interviews last, but we'll be hearing from Jack and Cole to finish out the episode. But let's get to some Ask HDHLs via Twitter. Rabbi, first one comes from Jody Robbins. Are we going to sign some players or what? Mark, I feel like there's a lot of pessimism going on around the Rapids community and on social media, and I'm not there, to be honest. The team's approaching full health. It's my understanding Abubakar Keita and Brian Galvan are going to have a mostly normal preseason, um, as well as Ali Laraz. Um, Yaya Torre might be a little, will be a little bit slower to them in terms of when he gets there and is having normal training sessions and availability for games, given his injury happened in what, August, September, I think. <clears throat> but I just, I think people are down because there haven't been a whole lot of big signings, but I think just the fact that they have a clean bill of health and there's a bunch of young players players that I think are going to make a step up relative to where they were last year, as we have seen with pretty much every single young player under Robin Frazier year to year, and especially from their first year with the Rapids to their second year with the Rapids. I think this team right now, they're a left back signing away from me comfortably saying that they're a playoff team, Rabbi. Um, I think between Bombito and the other options you have at center back, there is a viable third center back option you have there. I think the midfield is going to be much improved. Colbass is coming back. He's got some energy at the individual and at the team level in order to be super motivated. A fully healthy Jack Price. And then Ralph Prizzo could step up as well. Ali the Raz could step up. And then one of Calvin Harris, Jonathan Lewis, Diego Rubio, Kevin Cabral is going to be a viable option at striker. There's options, there's versatility, and there's a lot of signed players. It's not like this team's coming into preseason with only 20 players signed to first team and everything. I don't think there's more than another two to three at most signings that are going to happen before the first game against Seattle. And really, other than signing a quality proven left back, I think they're mostly good at every single other position, which I could not say the first MLS game of last season with where they were injury-wise. Rabbi, your thoughts? I agree. The, The left back position is the one they definitely have to fill in. The really big optional position that the Colorado Rapids may add to, there are two. Um, they may choose to go out and get an experienced center back, especially if the team is looking to play three at the back at center back. Because I think a lot of fans know that, you know, Danny Wilson is 31 years old. He may be beginning the, the, the decline. Um, he may no longer be a viable starting center back, um, but you have to find someone who can start the attack and make nice passes. Um, Gustavo Vallecia is is a big question mark, and the recovery of Abubakar Keita is a big question mark. But if you think that Keita is going to be the guy, then you're not going to go in on a center back. So the other position that you might still go in on besides left back would then be striker. And that's if you believe that Diego Rubio was better as an attacking midfielder, or you think that he needs a partner up top. And the reason you might think that is some of the best work he ever did was with Kai Kamara as his, you know, kind of target striking big body dude up top. So that's a theory that you might go for, which is that you think the Rapids should add one or even both of those two positions. But I think, Matt, you you made the main points, which is 
this team's additions for the upcoming year are, you know, the the big the big acquisitions in the offseason are Brian Galvan coming back from injured reserve, are Abubakar Keita coming back from injured reserve, are um uh um Cole Bassett coming back from loan, right? So they're players that we already had, they're just coming back to us. Um the last big piece of that puzzle that we haven't spent much time talking about is Kevin Cabral. Um, he is the big signing for the Rapids in the offseason. The huge question that we haven't had any time to talk about, which I think we will when we do more of a preseason preview, is what we think of the Kevin Cabral signing. We talked about it a little when he was acquired, but very simply put, um, he's a big bet on it with a big question. And whether he can start to finish start to finish. Isn't that a ridiculous thing to say? Um, whether he can finish properly or whether he's a wide winger who can't find the back of the net and is is terrible in front of the, the goal is really the, the most important question. I think the Rapids think that he has the ability and he just had the yips with the Galaxy, um, but that's that's a bet and nobody knows whether it'll come good or not. Yeah, I'll probably turn this into an article for Burgundy Wave, folks. But, um, you know, to your point, Rabbi, in the media availability we had with Kevin Cabral, he was certainly closer to the Giassi Zardes end of the spectrum. You know, he was asked multiple questions about the Galaxy, playing against the Galaxy, um, how the trade went around, and he was very gracious. Um, he was speaking semi-broken English and everything. He apologized for that twice. I introduced myself in French, and he perked up and was probably expecting me to talk to him in French. And then I asked him a relatively simple, but... You you know, slow and clear question in English. And so, you know, I think that there's the Kellen Acosta end of the spectrum of like the, I have FC Dallas circling on my roster, you know, on my <laughs> list and everything. Why don't we play in Orlando? Because I'm still mad at Oscar Pereja six years later, kind of a thing. And then there's like Mark Anthony K where it's like, he's salty, but he's here to ball. Jonathan Lewis, who had that energy, let it go and ultimately is focused on other things. And then Zardis was just like, you know what, Columbus crew, do what you're going to do. I'm just happy that I got a club that wants me in the Colorado Rapids. I'm going to do my thing. And Cabral seemed much, much closer to that. But, you know, to your point, Mark, he's the he's the biggest bet that the Rapids made, both in terms of cost of acquisition and, like, significance of what it means financially right now and potentially for the future in a resale in terms of, you know, revenge of this, the island of distressed assets, SC as well. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I don't think, Mark, I think... I don't know that the Rapids are going after a number nine, Mark. I think they're going to be curious to see Kendarin Yappy, who's currently with the U nineteen men's national team, whether or not he can develop into something. One or him, him or Calvin Harris becomes the number nine on this roster, or do they then need to sign somebody in the summer? Similarly, they've got four or five viable options. If we're counting Daniel Chacon with Rapids two, who are a viable third center back option, and I think the Rapids would rather let a few months go out figure that out and then try and do something in the summer rather than think you know okay we've got Diego Rubio who's our Paul Mullen and then we need a big horrible person up top let's go get Ollie Palmer is my thinking but we'll see what happens the window's open there's still plenty of time for things to happen good and negative and we'll be here to cover it here at Holding Highline 
next Ask HTHL, I will throw to you, Mark. There's an interesting question of what the Rapids are doing financially given the windfall they have from the UC Health uh, shirt sponsorship well. And then is also, Mark, the Apple TV money. If you assume all of the money are going to clubs, folks, then on an annual basis, MLS teams individually will be getting about $8 million this particular year. If we're assuming that it's the $2.5 billion and then divide that by 10 years, so 250 and then how that splits up amongst the 29 teams in MLS. Mark, I assume money, some of that money is going back to the league office, but I think it's a valid question, Mark. There's now many more millions of dollars that are coming to the Rapids via the very sponsorship and financial levers that exist with the shirt sponsorship and with the new streaming uh, deal. And yet we've yet to see the Rapids really splash cash on that. Mark, do we have any inkling of what the rules are about where that money can and can't go? Do you think the Rapids are spending more money? Or to Mark Harrow's point, is there a valid question of whether or not KSC can just decide to pocket that and count that against the operating loss that is believed based on Forbes articles that the Rapids lose about $6 million a year? I think the $6 million figure is too high. I mean, a couple of years ago, the number was closer to one and a half to $3 million, So I'm not sure where they're getting the 6 million, but um, my math shows that the Rapids uh, current salary um, demands across the roster are 8.3 million. Um, uh, My assumption is that the new money that comes to them um, will help them get closer to breaking even. One of the things that's interesting about Major League Soccer, there's two there's two things I want to say here. One of the things that's interesting about Major League Soccer is that um, there's not exactly a like um, a minimum salary that you have to offer, right? Like you, or, sorry, a minimum um, uh, wage bill, right? Like the entire, um, if you if you wanted to put together a team in which all of the players made roughly the league minimum that is not forbidden, right? You you wouldn't be discouraged from doing that. The only reason you'd be discouraged from doing that would be the fact that each team gets GAM from the league and therefore you should spend your GAM because why would you assemble a team with with 20 players who make $80,000 a year when GAM will allow you to have three or four players at between two hundred dollars and $600,000 a year and you know you have that money and it's use it or lose it each year. That's the thing. TAM, for those of you who don't really remember this switch as it came down a year or two ago, TAM is, is uh, GAM is general alloc- allocation money and TAM is targeted allocation money. TAM isn't really targeted anymore. TAM is actually like discretionary spending. So every team in Major League Soccer has $2.8 million that they can choose to spend out of their own budget on players. My suspicion is that the Colorado Rapids have generally not spent much money there because, as you mentioned from the Forbes article, Matt, they lose money. Uh, Turning around to KFC and saying like, hey, boss, I know we lost several million dollars last year, but we're going to spend an extra million dollars on another player on top of that and still finish in 11th place. Right. Like that's that's a silly bet. My overall take, Matt, is. I think I looked at the at the overall roster spend the other day and saw that out of 28 teams, the Rapids last year were 22nd um, in their overall roster spend. That may have been based on this year's contract numbers or last year's. I don't remember. I expect that's right around where we're going to be forever, that we're always going to be in the bottom quarter of the league in terms of spending. That's never really going to change until, and this was the second point that I was going to make, 
until the league and the other owners force the Rapids to um, spend more on their rosters, they will not spend more on their rosters. And the way we know that is like there is a possibility of having three designated players on your team, and Colorado really only has one, right? Uh, or two. Um, uh, Kevin Cabral and probably Jack Price qualifies as a DP this year. Um, you could also have De- Jack Price count as a um, TAM level player because you only have to pay him. Uh, he makes uh, he made uh, $725,000 last year. You don't have to pay him $100,000 over cap in order to get that down. Anyways, long story short, if the if the owners in the next uh, CBA want to change the way things go, they could make it so that the Rapids have to start spending more on their roster um, to create a more competitive league. Um, but we have no idea whether that's going to happen. But folks like like um, Sam Stachel have uh, argued that for years that it's the cheapskates in MLS like KSC that have brought the whole league down. As a long answer to a short question, the answer is no. The team is not going to be spending a lot more money on the roster. Yeah, I do think it is a valid question mark where that money ultimately is going. If it's going into stadium upgrades or, you know, if it's like, you know, so that they can afford to lower the rent on out-of-market vendors to like bring back GB fish and chips or bring back the mini donuts. I think it's a fair question where that money is going. And I think it'd be, it. I, I don't know that it's a good idea necessarily for most MLS, uh, for most of MLS teams to just have ownership be pocketing that difference or using that to offset differences in anything. Um, Mark kind of posited the question, um, uh, Mark Harrow posited the question whether or not uh, that potentially that KSC could then use that money and spend it on the Rams somehow. Um, I don't know that that I, I definitely don't think that that's allowed necessarily in the rules, but it's something to look at, Mark, and something that I'll be curious to see not only with the Rapids, but with other data points around the league, where are teams generally spending that money? And certainly if it's it's not allowed on the books, but everybody knows that all the money is the same, right? Like yes. the, Ar- the Arsenal money, the Rams money, the Mammoth money, the the um, the Nuggets money. It's all the same money. Um, yeah. But the 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 you know you can just hide it under four thousand different little you know subcategories and shell corporations. So. Yeah, but so I think um, you know I'd be curious to see where that money ultimately gets spent, Mark. And if it's if it's spending on other things that are within the club, I could see some fans being happy with that. But also, is that money allowing you know RSL to you know spend a club record four million dollar transfer fee on some Ecuadorian winger and everything, where the Rapids are still scraping and using uh using interleague assets to acquire inter domestic DPS as well? That's going to continue to set the club behind. So so to your point, Mark. I, I still think if, if the Rapids don't change or at least don't try to at least keep up with where MLS is going and other teams are spending that Apple TV money on first team, particularly big transfer fees as well, it's just it's going to further cement the Rapids in terms of where they are in terms of the tiers of MLS and further limit what their ceiling can be when it comes to making the playoffs and doing anything in said playoffs. Last H- Ask HTHL that we'll address tonight, Mark, comes from uh, Rapids Foreign Legion. When you are crafting a new holding the highlight podcast how much time of that process takes from start to finish what type of script scripting is involved do you have any past favorite episodes um 
so how to for rapids four and legion um i typically have we have a rundown and i'll have some notes sometimes there's a google doc that'll talk about what we're talking about in the order mark and i obviously have our own personal notes that we'll make if we do a lot of prep for something or if one of us makes a really good point and the other one wants to piggyback out of off of that I'll say in the first season, so 2018, there was a lot of editing because one of us would mess up or just Rabbi and I didn't have our didn't have our rhythm down between each other and our transitions down. That increasingly has decreased. So there might be one or two edits where one of us like kind of talks ourselves into a corner and just wants that cut from the record and restarted. There's famously, I think in ep- season one or season two, there's an episode where like I'm coughing off mic and I didn't have myself muted and Rabbi just keeps talking. And the way that we recorded, it's easy for me to silence or mute one of us, but keep the good audio from the person who is talking. And we decided to leave it in because it was partially comic relief, but also to acknowledge that we're human, we make mistakes, and this is the kind of stuff that happens. So we're putting out the best versions of ourselves or a slightly more polished versions of ourselves, but it's not a, a disingenuine one, I think, if you've seen the conversations that we've had. And certainly we do make mistakes and sometimes we leave them in. And sometimes I'm able to cut them in a clever way. And sometimes we make mistakes and I'm not able to cut them in a way to where it's not obvious to some listeners. And I think that's authentic. I think that's based. I think it's on brand. Um, And I think it also shows that we're human, but also we care very deeply about the quality of the podcast. And we've worked really hard and iterated and learned and implemented changes and tweaks over the years that we've done this podcast to put ultimately the best product out there, but one that's still human and authentically us. Rabbi, anything that you want to add on that? Um, And then, uh, you know, do you have any uh, favorite past episodes? Yeah, um favorite past episodes I'll I'll start with which is um almost any time that I get to do an interview with someone that I've always wanted to interview. I mean Jordan Angeli is definitely my favorite. Um that that is like probably over a year ago um in terms of interviews. Um the other one uh because I name checked it in an article I wrote this week for the Substack is when we had the great Diego Rubio debate. Um, and that was a great one because we had been talking about whether Diego Rubio was any good for like a year or two. And Matt decided to actually sit down and focus a whole podcast on just figuring out like whether we thought that Diego Rubio was going to be good. And that was held in February of 2021. And Matt and I both concluded that we had lost faith in him. We didn't think he was going to get it done and he was just not going to be any good. And in 2021, he didn't have a great season. He wasn't particularly memorable. He had three goals in 2021. And then, of course, in 2022, he had 16 goals. And me and Matt both look like idiots. And it's one of those moments where, um, I'll be really honest, when I look at a Colorado Rapids player and I say at the beginning of the season, I think he's cooked. I think he's washed. I don't think anything's going to happen. You know, I got no expectations for this guy. And they really perform. I love to be wrong in those situations. I love it. I absolutely love to underestimate a Colorado Rapids player and then find them to be really good. I remember when um, Alan Gordon joined the team and I was like, this is a total waste of time. I can't believe we got this guy. He's never going to be worth it. And he like won three games single-handedly after the 75th minute by being put on and then dunking the ball into the back of the net. And it was just glorious. It's just absolutely wonderful to be wrong. Um, and so those are my favorite episodes. So the great Rubio debate, um, and anybody I interview, um, but 
uh, Anjali was was probably the best of the last two years. Yeah, some of the episodes that stick out to me, Mark, or maybe where we had an interesting situation from a recording standpoint. So early on in the podcast, when I had a different job to the one I have now, and it was to like the it was you recording from the same spot. I don't know if you'd moved to Pittsburgh yet at this point, Mark, but then you know I was like in a different hotel room in a different city, and like the intro, the banter to the pod was always the hotel setup, where I was, and then what <laughs> public art they had as well. Sure. Um, the episode where we did the um, – I think I think we did that day where Kellen Acosta, the news had broken like a Sunday night and then they had an introductory press conference and then a meet and greet with the fans like Monday afternoon. I went to that and like drove straight to your place and like from your basement like we were like munching on brownies and sipping whiskey and just like talking about how excited we were to have Kellen Acosta as well. Um, you know, we did that. I think your last podcast where you were physically in Colorado, Mark, we did from your porch as well so i mean we've had some fun situational ones i still miss the basement to be honest because recording in person is just it makes things so much easier in a lot of ways and just acoustically your basement was just absolutely perfect for that (laughs) in ways that mark unfortunately uh the uh memorial michael is zero basement and the jeff lorenowitz uh podcasting kitchen island are not the same haven't gotten a whole lot of comments on the last episode i did folks from the uh, connor casey closet so let me know what you think about that but um any episode where we have a really good interview um is super interesting for me mark even it was just like the you know the three or the four minutes where i think i did i think i featured it on the pod when sam nicholson had signed and like the first day that he was in training i spoke to him and we got to hear from him obviously the the richard fleming and the marcella balboa interviews were fantastic the cole bassett one I think is top 10 all time that we had probably a lot of Feyenoord fans that were listening to that right before their final that they had against AS Roma Um, and then you know for disappointing reasons ultimately Mark I still think the I think two of our top five episodes were the episode where we previewed Pidsgiving and then the one that we did where I was recording from John Babiak's basement in the immediate aftermath of those you know a, a podcast episode where we talk to somebody important or talk about a meaningful event and do it in a really good way that the fan base responds to Rabbits Foreign Legion that's always where that's where I get the most where I get the most fulfillment from from doing any particular episode and some of that's based on what we build up to be ready for those opportunities and some of that's based on luck that we're podcasting on this day and news breaks this day or we're just we're the only Colorado Rapids podcast that is still consistently recording so if you want to podcast on this particular news that broke this day and we get it to you within 48 hours we're the ones to to come to so that's what gives me so much joy and so much meaning um let us know listeners uh on twitter at rapids 96 podcast what's your favorite episode of uh, all time as we approach uh, the end of this month mark uh, january 30th will be the five-year anniversary of the pilot episode so oh matt i'll add two other interviews i was thumbing back through the list and and there are a few times you know when we get a colorado rapids player you know that it's always great to interview them but the honest truth of the matter is they're supposed to be available to us we're the only colorado rapids podcast (laughs) in the world i think the two people that i've talked to in the last couple years which i really enjoyed uh, one was you and one was me is getting an interview with someone who i think to myself how did we get this interview? I can't believe this person thinks we're worthy of talking to them. And one of them is Brian Dunseth, who's, um, you know, the broadcaster for RSL. And he spoke to you in July of 2020. And he's just a wonderful guy. He's really nice. And which is really funny because he's our, he's supposed to be our sworn enemy, our mortal, you know, uh, opponent. But like, he's been really lovely. When you've interviewed him, he's done a great job. 
Um, he he's he's a definite like in the bag homer for RSL. I don't think I think he walks the fine line between you know supporting the club and calling things out very neatly. He also has been very sweet to me online. You know when I when I tweet something during an RSL Rapids game. He'll usually quote it on air, which I always find hysterical. The other interview that I really enjoyed was talking to Matt Doyle, and we just sat on Zoom and drank whiskey and, you know, reminisced and and joked. And we're men of a certain age, and, you know, we have friends in common, and uh, we both love the beautiful game. And, uh, you know, on the one level, it's just two guys talking about soccer, but on the other level, I'm thinking to myself, like, I can't believe I get to do this. This is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, what does it say, folks, about the fact that Rabbi and I talk about our favorite episodes and seven of the ten of them are one where one of us interviewed another interesting person and neither of us actually spoke directly to each other. But uh, <laughs> OK, um, I think that does it, Mark. Uh, I think that's that's enough of you and me talking. Uh, let's hear from the only people that truly matter to Rapids fans. And those are, of course, midfielders Jack Price and Cole Bassett. Listeners, you can follow us collectively on Twitter at Rapids 96 podcast at soccer underscore Rabbi and at LWS. Matt Pollard. Check out all of our written content. Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Last word on sports.com backslash football. Burgundywave.com and then our Substack holdingthehighline.substack.com Listeners, I will be coming out with something from behind the paywall that a listener asked me in person at the DNVR bar during the World Cup as well that I promised them I would put behind the paywall because it's interesting, it's clickbaity, and it's going to make people give us money as well. Substack, Mark, by the way, doing absolutely fantastically, so keep that up, uh, current subscribers, and then if you do want to subscribe, holdingthehighline.substack.com Send us your questions via email at rapids96podcast.com at gmail.com or on Twitter using the hashtag AskATHL. Here's Jack and uh, and Bassett. Uh, listeners, we'll see you next week, maybe in two weeks at the latest. Peace. How are you guys doing? Good? Yeah. Good to see you all again. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> good to see family again. Just, yeah, be back around. So, yeah, excited. Just, uh, it's kind of hard seeing some of the other teams getting going already so early. We're still waiting for them. Yeah, we're excited. Well, that's good, guys. Let's see you So, uh, in that, obviously, the trip to Mexico is looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, can you, can you particularly more work on your seat from yourself and the club? What is next to this game? Just be ready for a win and work on the seat for the yeah, uh, I mean, first off, for me, there's a lot of new faces since I've been here last time, even though maybe it doesn't seem like it, but there are a couple guys that, you know, you got to get a connection with, and, uh, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to that, is playing with some new guys on the field and, and building those relationships. Uh, these first couple weeks, I mean, preseason, the first couple weeks is never really fun, and uh, it's definitely going to be a lot of just getting fit and getting our bodies right. I think the one thing that I saw from afar last year is there's a lot of injuries at this club, so I think... I don't, that's not my uh, job at this club, but, you know, maybe just trying to keep guys healthy uh, for these first three weeks especially and just build us up to get to the, the stage in Orlando where we'll play um, three MLS teams there and then be ready for the game in Seattle. So I think it's going to be a, a fun six weeks overall, uh, getting to travel to places where we're kind of on site and we're, we're going to be with the team. So it'll be a lot of fun and we're looking forward to it. Your biggest 
Yeah. There was a bunch of things. I mean, I think I've talked to Matt about this before. Uh, one of the main things that I needed to work on going over there was ball security, knowing what to do with the ball before I get it, and just being, you know, such a reliable midfielder on the ball. Uh, and I learned a lot of that over there. I think that was one of the main reasons at the start that I that I didn't come in and play right away uh, was that Arne, you had to be pretty good on the ball, and the guys I was going up against over there were were pretty good. Um, you know, Kochu and Till in the midfield that were going against me, that one moved to PSV Eindhoven, and Kochu's probably going to the Premier League next year. So, um, you know, I was going up against good competition, and that's kind of what I took away from that. And then, you know, also the training habits like you talked about, uh, there was a little bit of a difference. Like every single day, you have to be on top of it over there. Even if it's a Friday, like it might not be as tough on your body, but I would say like physically and uh, or, I mean mentally, you, you really got to be on top of things. Like it's just in tight spaces, you got to be able to think your way out of, of certain situations. And I kind of got used to that. And now since I've came back, just trying to train with my brother and some of the, the other guys around here, just playing pickup and stuff like that. You've noticed the little differences that you can help the team uh, progress with, and uh, I think I'll try to do that and step in, maybe hopefully more as a, a leader this year on the on the pitch than I was beforehand. Hold on, it's just a question. You know, with Colin gone now, I guess it, it just be what Jack and Ollie are the midfielders you overlap with. I think. Yeah. Um, I so. What do you think of the midfield core and Alvin and everything? What do you think of that group and what do you bring to it in the elevated way? Yeah, I like it. It's a it's a young group. Uh, I remember my playing days against Brian when he was at FC Dallas, and, and he's a pest. Uh, he's not fun to go against, but similar to Kellen in that sense, and I think it helps me in training, especially going up against those guys uh, every single week. Um, it kind of helps prepare you for the games in terms of, you know, he's always going to be on you. He's going to bite for tackles and stuff like that. So as a 10, personally, it, it helps me be prepared for games and stuff like that. Ralph, I've heard a lot of good things about. Um, I've heard he's kind of a bulldog in there, and you know, good on the ball as well, um, but does his job really well. And I think it would be exciting to play next to him. Pricey, Ollie, I, I know them very well. I've grown up playing with Ollie, and we're really good friends. And then Pricey, he's been a uh, mainstay with me in the midfield while I was here. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, Diego played a little bit in the midfield last year as well, and, and I love playing with him. So I think whatever midfield combination comes out of uh, our team this year, I think we'll, we'll be a strong group, and uh, we'll be ready to win the mid midfield battles this year compared to Last year, I think maybe it was a little bit more open than than Robin would have liked, and I think we'll we'll try to fix that a little bit this year. How much did you uh, miss? <laughs> it's it's the people. I think it's not as much the place. Um, you know, you just get accustomed to being around good people, and this state has always kind of been known for you know the people that live here. It's just a bunch of people that you really enjoy being around, and uh, it makes your life a lot better. And not to say over there was bad. I actually really enjoyed my time there, but. You know, it's always easy coming home to family and, and seeing familiar faces and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm really excited to be back with this group. I know this group well. Um, and all my friends and family can uh, watch me every game, whereas over there we were always playing at like 4 a.m. and stuff like that. So it wasn't as easy. Um, and now they'll get another year of being able to watch me, and I'll be able to, to spend time with them after games and stuff like that as well. How much did you No, it was it was a couple times. Uh, when I came back in the summer, we had a couple chats. Uh, I was always out at DU watching my brother, stuff like that, and he was out there a couple times and um, spoke to him about how the season was going, what he was thinking, and he was just asking a lot of questions about how it is over there as well. Um, and then the day I got back, you know, it all kind of happened quickly. I had a game, I think, on, 
on the Sunday versus Groningen in, in the Eredivisie. And on Tuesday, I was talking to Robin back here in Colorado. So it happened kind of quick uh, once I came back. And we haven't fully got to catch up yet, but I think we've shared some ideas and stuff like that. And um, mostly just kept caught up on the on the personal side and stuff like that and just how he's been enjoying life. But I think with the long offseason that they've had, I think he's ready to get back at it as well. Are you putting your time at Fortuna behind you completely, or is that something you can turn back communication like a uh, I think that club I'm going to put behind me. Yeah, I, I, it's, I wish I could explain more about exactly what happened there. It's just something that I don't think will benefit me coming out and saying stuff <clears throat> about it. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of want to put it behind me. I don't. It was nothing on me uh, in terms of, like, at Feyenoord, I know I can play better and I had good competition that I was going against. That's the reason why I didn't play there. Uh, there's not really much reason. So, I yeah, kind of just want to put it behind me and focus on here and helping this team do well this year. Uh, Cole, what's your personal role outside of the Rapids? How do you see the rest of this team play tomorrow? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I mean, the national team does have a camp at the end of this month. Um, and I think Anthony will be the coach for that, which is, you know, uh, exciting for me. I, I, I know him pretty well and uh, I know the style of coach that he is. So, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm able to make a push for that roster uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. And then throughout the year, I think this is a year where maybe more opportunities will be given. There's not a major tournament this year with we got Copa America next year and uh, the Olympics as well for the under-23s. So, yeah, this year should have plenty of opportunities, um, I think, if, if they have camps. And, you know, the U.S. is it's an honor to play for them. And I kind of think I, I took my first camp a little bit for granted uh, after when I was, I believe, the 2020 season. Um, I didn't get to make my debut in that camp. But now, ever since, I've, I've really appreciated every single time that I get an opportunity there. So... It's been a year, I think. I was at the last January one, but uh, I'm hoping that I get there at the end of the month as well. So, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the, the opportunities this year. Uh, you mentioned going to the UC for other players. Yeah. Did you make it the season? you think he's going to be a home running captain? I hope so. I might have to talk to Porg about that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, tell him to sign him up so he can start paying some rent in my place as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, he had a really good season. He had a tough first year. Um, but it was, it's been amazing to watch him grow. Because his first year, I think he was playing like 10 minutes off the bench every week. And uh, yeah, this past year, he's leading goal scorer, leading assister. And, uh, it just brings me a lot of joy to see him doing well because, you know, he's he's dealt with it pretty well in terms of, you know, I became a pro at such a young age and I wouldn't say there was a lot of attention around me, but maybe to him it seemed like, you know, he's always getting the attention and stuff like that and he's dealt with it so well and now he's he's training really well. So especially being back during this offseason, he's kind of been my, my guy that I've been hanging out with all the time. I know he's my brother, but we've been training a lot. Uh, I've been working at DU with his, with his trainer as well, so... Yeah, it's, it's just been great to see him back, and you know he's got a different mentality now. I, I see it, and he's also gotten a lot bigger since I've last seen him. So I think he does have a real shot. I mean, there is a difference between college and pros, but um, he's trained. He's gotten to train with a lot of the guys just because I train with them. So I think he does have a good shot. He's probably one more year in college at least, but you never know. If he has a good season next year, he, he could be here very soon. How special has it been just to bounce ideas off each other? Yeah. Yeah, it's something you, 
I mean, you take it for granted when, when I had it before and when you're living in the same house and then, yeah, you go away and you're eight hours apart and, you know, he's got training in the morning, starts class right at 12 after training, so it's like you, you get to talk to the kid maybe once a week on the phone, probably, which is which is not easy uh, when he's been your closest friend since you've grown up. So uh, I think it's been nice being able to bounce ideas. He asks questions um, about how to get better in certain situations just because they don't know, and even me being here before, I didn't know little things that Arne Schlott taught me. Like there was a lot of little things that I've never really seen about the game and stuff like that, and then you learn. So I think it's it's valuable for him to have this resource, even though I don't know everything. But I can help him try to elevate his game, and, and hopefully he can be here at Rapids one day, and then he, he can continue on his career. Um, so folks are excited to have you back. We haven't seen you, you know, on that in a while. What's the big difference between the cold bash that we last saw and now this season? What's what's the biggest difference between the cold bash and this season? I think it's just more of a confident a confidence in myself and in my abilities. I think how good I had to be on the ball over uh, at Feyenoord has helped me a lot, and I just feel such a more uh, just more comfort with the ball now that I'm back. Uh, and I think, like I said before, I gave away too many balls uh, when I was here before, even though I was creating a lot of chances. Um, there's a lot of opportunities maybe I was giving the other team or just more times that we had to defend. So I think there's just more of a confidence in myself and also maybe a little bit more of a leader. I mean, I felt like a leader in a sense in the last group, but I was still so young and I didn't have as much experience as the other guys. But now, you know, I've gotten to go off to Europe this past year. We went to a Conference League final. Got to go to all the big stadiums, even though I didn't get to play in the tournament. And we played Jose Mourinho in the final. Just that, like you're around just such big names in, in the soccer world, and, and you're around it every day. So I think I've just gained so much more experience and and how to be a good pro. Um, so I think I'm going to try to come back and kind of help maybe some of the younger kids that, that need it as well. And then hopefully you see it on the field uh, that I'm a leader and. You know, I can help this team win a lot more because it did hurt seeing them not in the playoffs last year. In the past two years before that, I felt like I was a pretty key member of getting us to where we were. So I think I can kind of take an even bigger role now and step into that for the team this year. Yeah, a few more about the postseason. You know the expectations as well. While you were able to be part last year and watch, how motivated are you to help? Very motivated. Uh, the first part of the question, um, you know, when I first signed for this club, it was just as young kids that grow up around here. It's it's not fun when you have a bad team. You know, there's not as many people you can relate to. There's not as many you know stars that you can watch and want to be when you grow up. And when a team is winning, it's fun. And I think we saw that with the city in 2021 and. You know, after we finished first in the West, how much the city appreciated what we did, and when we got to go out to Nuggets and Az games, stuff like that, like how much they really cared about us and, and what we were doing. So, I think it's it's mostly for the community around here that I'm motivated to bring it back to to where we were. And you know, I think Denver doesn't get uh, as much hype, I would say, in terms of the players that they produce here and, and how good our soccer is here. We do have a lot of good girls that have came through here, um, but I think on the on the men's side it hasn't been as much so as, as maybe other places. So for me, being a hometown kid and, and helping this team get back to playoffs, it does motivate me a lot.
and then, you know, on the side of how, how are we going to do it, it's probably an answer you don't like, and Robin probably says it all the time, but it's going to start next week, um, and it's going to be a long year. we got a lot of competitions to play for this year, and that's also what excites me. Uh, I mean, League's Cup adding that. I think Open Cup's coming back for the first time in a couple of years, so the more the more uh, tournaments that you're able to play and the more games that you have, uh, it just excites you even more because that's how Europe was, and yeah, you just want to play as much as much football as possible as a as a footballer. So we're excited. It's going to start next week, and uh, it'll be a long year. But I think it's, if we did what we did in 2021, we'll we'll have another good year. What was it like to see the Ash win? Um, and did that sort of show you, you know, if you guys get to that point, what the city sees you guys? Yeah, it was special. I was actually on a plane back to Europe when it was going on, but I was sitting. There, I got the Wi-Fi, I was watching the game, and, and it was pretty special um, being able to watch that. That's my second favorite sport, and my dad still plays hockey, so it was pretty special for me because I grew up playing it a little bit uh, and stuff like that. And Yeah, it's when the city hasn't won a championship in, I think it was 20 years for hockey, it was, it was something special. And this city is a sports city, and when we have a good team, uh, everybody rallies behind them, so I think... As a soccer player, to be able to have this place packed out, which it was versus Portland Timbers in the playoffs, that's how you won every single game. And you got, kind of got to earn that because you got to show that you're, you're fun to watch. So I think for us, it's about coming out, having a good season, and uh, hopefully we have many more of those packed stadiums to come because it's a special atmosphere to play in front of. Jack is the captain for a couple of years now, obviously. 2020 growing success, 2021 spectacular, 2020-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2021-2
obviously the rest of the last year. Injury is for yourself, but also just kind of across the squad. Um, how are you doing now? Uh, it's nice to kind of have a break just to sit up and watch the World Cup. And, uh, you know, how, how are you about the fitness side going through the season? Yeah, I'm 100% healthy now. Uh, I was probably towards the back end of the season getting there. I just didn't think it was right for me to put myself out there just in case I did have another setback because the year was... Plus, we had nothing really to play for towards the end. So it was our decision to, to rest, you know, and have a good three or four months where I could just get off the legs and, and come back this year, you know, stronger, healthier, and I have done. So ask me in two weeks after we up in Mexico, but in a bit of altitude. But no, I'm, I'm feeling good and I'm, I'm ready to go. And disappointing year, you know, I wanted to be out there as much as I could. I even pushed myself maybe a little bit too much at times when I wasn't 100%. But, you know, I want to be out there playing 34 games a season and, you know, hopefully touch wood this year, I will be, so I'm feeling good. What was the offseason like traveling back home, staying here, being a dad, watching England? It was good until we made, you know, the France game. Uh, but no, it was fun. It was a bit weird having the World Cup, you know, in the winter time, but it worked out perfect. Timings when obviously it was back in England and I think the first game was ten AM and it was like one, four and seven, so it was it was perfect for us and Obviously, a bit disappointed England didn't go. I fancied them to go all the way. But it was unlike I thought they played well. They, they deserved probably to beat France, but it is what it is. But no, I, I had fun watching it, yeah, for sure. Was the kid old enough to watch it and understand what was going on or appreciate it? Uh, a little bit. He's just turned three. Uh, he's getting into it a bit more. Uh, but still, he's, yeah, he's not quite there yet. But he's, I took him to a game, actually. I took him to a Shrewsbury game, mm-hmm. my local team. Uh, it was an FA Cup game. We lasted 45 minutes and I took him home because he was just a nightmare. So he's too young, I think, but give him another couple of years. He'll be... 2026. Yeah, yeah, then he... Yeah. Oh, yeah, he'll be good then. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead, Nick. No, let's get it Jack, as the captain, um, what are the leadership uh, traits that you look to in others that you kind of model your own? Leadership style over, you know, how do you, what do you pull from to to lead the squad, you know, coming, not just from bad years like last year, but good years too, like two years ago, like where does it come from, what do you look to, how do you use that to, to lead your team? Obviously the good years are easy. Sure. They're easy, it's, you don't have to say an awful lot. Last year, because it wasn't such a good year and I didn't play as much, it's sort of hard to come out dig players out because I'm not out there so it's hard it's, I can't be voicing my opinion as much when I'm not out there you know if it's a tough loss it's you know the lads have given everything it's it's tough but you know quiet quiet words here and there you know just to remind players this and this is what it took the year before to get us uh, we didn't have probably had the least expensive squad in the 21 season and look what we got to obviously it was disappointing the way it ended but it's the hard work you know it's in the change room it's off the field stuff, you know, we had a really good core of players that year where we we did well. We hit certain, you know, points every month. We'd go out and have a team dinner. And I think stuff like that, we sort of got away from last season. Uh, so maybe do more stuff outside of football because it makes a huge difference. I've, I've learned that over the last few years. When I was at Wolves, it wasn't maybe as close-knit off the field as on the field. But that year here, we had in 21, off the field. Everyone got along well. We, you know, we had fun. We enjoyed it. And then you can tell on the field, like we all want to root for each other, play well, go that extra mile. Uh, so I think getting back to that a little bit more this year, because listen, we don't go and spend 30, 40 million. So we need that. We need that togetherness. And we've known where it's got us before. So that's, that's big. If we didn't have that year, maybe it'd be tough to get that across. But 
for me that, but also when I am out there playing as a leader, consistently playing well, I think is a big thing for me. I like people to look up to me and go, listen, he does well every single week. You know, he puts the work in. You don't want to take a day off. And I think that's good for the younger boys like Calvin, for example, coming in and seeing that. And hopefully this year I'll be out on the field, obviously, a lot more. But just to, to have that leadership. And that's probably one of the reasons the gaffer gave it me. He said, because week in, week out, you're consistently, you'll play well, you know. And, and when it's time to dig someone out, you will. You know, I'm not one of these that goes around shouting and shouting because he said to me, you're not that, so you don't need to change. So I haven't changed. But I still have enough experience and voice to voice my opinion at times when it when it needs to be done. So, but hopefully this year I can just lead by example a bit more on the field than just off it. Jack, um, Robin said, Robin at least told you that you know, guys, you know, we are going to have a season like that again. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> you know, just how important is it to have that message from him right away, kind of setting that tone and. What have you guys made early, um, you know, remarks so far? To be fair, he mentioned that straight after the Austin game. Okay. You know, we were all in the changing room and he, he said, listen, we're not going to have another year like this. You know, it's, it's, it's an anomaly. It's just out the window. Check it out and make sure you come back in 12 weeks' time, ready to go. And on the performance I've seen from the lads yesterday and the fitness tests we did, you know, coming back in good shape, looking fit, healthy, is a good sign. Because, you know, it's a long time. Off three months is a long time. I've not really been used to that. You usually get six weeks, maybe max. So it's hard to keep yourself in shape. It takes a lot of hard work, and it looks like a lot of the boys have, well, all the boys have come back in really good shape. So I think the message from the gaffer there was it's not going to happen again, but you need to put the work in now to come back ready to go. And like I say, he asked me again in two weeks in Mexico if we're feeling fit and healthy, but it, that's different. You need, you need that. So, but no, everyone's come back looking really good and, and ready to go, which is important because, you know, after a bad year, it's easy to maybe just sack off the off-season and go, you know what, it was tough, I'm just going to enjoy myself a bit more. So, no, we're looking good and just itching for the first game, really. I think everyone is, you know, it's a long time without kicking a ball, so hopefully we'll, we'll hit the ground running. Jack, I'd like to know, what are your personal thoughts and your personal goal to have a pre-season, you know, having had a great 2022 yourself, keeping away from the pitch most of it last year? Just ahead of this preseason, these six matches. See how we can gel as a team. A few new players, you know, we've lost a couple. Uh, I mean, personally, get through it, injury free. It's going to be huge. You know, I've been in and out probably the last preseason, so it's a little tough. You just stop start, you sort of play and catch up. Uh, and I think everyone's goal really in, in those six games in preseason is to, to get the minutes. It's more important, I think, minutes than results. Uh, I know a lot of people say good results lead into a good season, but I don't think that year when we had a great year, our results were too good in preseason. So, but again, obviously you want to win every game you play. But the most important thing is injury free, get the minutes under your belt, and obviously you're fit and ready to go for, for Seattle on the 26th, I believe. Somewhere. Yeah. So, hopefully, yeah, that's that's my goal. I think that's the team goal, just to get the minutes under the belt. Uh, with the midfield kind of you know, rotating over last season, you know, yeah, it's great to have Cole back. Uh, on the field, obviously just as important, but off the field too. Great lad, works his absolute nuts off every single day, which is, you know, as a young kid, it's not always there. You know, you have to sort of push people on. You don't have to tell him, tell him to work hard. He's, it's just a given. You can tell he's got that. But he brings quality, you know. That year he left, the 21 season, he was chipping him with goals and assists. And he does a lot of work that people don't see. You know, he'll make that 
sort of pointless run. He'll go charge the goalkeeper down. He'll go, you know, just put people under pressure. And maybe we didn't have that last year as much in the midfield. Uh, and I love playing with him because he'll do that running. I'm getting older now, so I need I need him in there with me. So now I'm looking forward to it. Just to have him back. You know, he's had a tough probably what 18 months where he's not played a lot of football. So he'll be hungry to play every minute, every game, and see where it takes him. But I spoke to him yesterday. He's just fully focused on having a good whole season here, playing well, score goals, and then where he goes from there, it's you know it's sort of up to him. I'll start with the, the League's Cup. I'm not sure what to make of it, really. It's you know, it's a weird timing, isn't it, to have it in the middle of the season where, and then like you say, we're not going to probably play a game here, are we? We're going to have to go elsewhere. and It's going to be like a you know that Orlando trip we did for the COVID. It's got, got that little feel to it. Obviously, it won't be as strict and stuff with that stuff, but I don't know. Until we, we go and play and obviously hopefully do well in it, it might be good, it might not. It's, I mean, it's trial and error, I suppose, isn't it? They've never done it before, so we'll see, but... But yeah, the broadcasting stuff was fun. I enjoyed that. I did it, ended 18, I think it was, and I had Chelsea, and they won 2-1 that game, so I had Man United this time too, so I've had two good games. But it was just nice being back at Molyneux and seeing familiar faces and the crowd and all that. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was nice. It was nice. And maybe five or six years, I might swing into that side of it and try and do a few more games. <laughs> just real quick, just with Leeds Cup, are you worried that it'll add to, I don't know, the overall kind of Maybe the travel, you know, depending where we're going to be based. Uh, I would have thought, you know, if it was logical, it would be somewhere close, you know, Kansas or LA or somewhere that's not, you know, too far. Uh, but I'm used to playing 46 games in the championship in a season, so I'd, I'd maybe a little bit, but I don't know. I think it's nice to have more games and you'd rather play football than train. So I'd rather play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday because you do less training. Everyone wants to play games in front of packed out stadiums. So I think on that front, it'll be good just to get more football in. And, but yeah, we'll see We'll see what it what comes of it. Jack, this is one of the younger midfield courts you've had with Colin McCartney and Cole coming back. What are you looking to do from a mentorship or a leadership standpoint, specifically within your position with Corrales, the Ollies, Colts, etc.? Yeah, just help them. You know, on the training field, you know, guide them. It's going to be tough. You know, Ralph was probably a little bit disappointed. He maybe didn't play as many minutes as he thought he would when he came in last year. But what, you know, he's got some head on his shoulders. He's, he's dialed in. He doesn't moan. I don't think I've ever heard him moan. So when you've got players like that, same with Cole, like I was saying before, it's easier. You know, you don't have to sort of go to him and say, listen, mate, come on, you've got to pick it up a little bit in training here. You're sulking. Because they don't do it. You know, they're, they're sort of older than their years, if that makes sense. They, they, Cole, Ralph, all these players, obviously Brian's a bit older, but he's, and another one that just gets on with his job. He doesn't complain. So, obviously, Colin will be a big miss, I think, off the field as well. You know, obviously, he didn't play a lot of minutes last year, but he was just a, a solid guy all round. You knew what you were going to get from him every day. But the young boys are just like that, like Ralph and Colby suggest there, or talk about, sorry, and they're similar. There's not too much you have to do in terms of off the field, you know, calm them down or anything like that. It's literally just focus and maybe help them with vision or, you know, a pass or, you know, maybe you don't have to do too much, just keep it simple at times. And, just knowing when and when to do things. So, but no, like I say, it's easy when you've got players that just want to come in and work hard every single day. Um, 
after last season, now fans trying to build their confidence back up with the squad as we move into the new season. What's what would be your message to Rapids fans and supporters moving into 2023? It's not going to be a year like we had last year. You know, we'll we'll do our best as players and as coaching staff and you know all staff. You know, associate with the club because last year, you know, it hurt. You know, and the fans that turn out every single week, they're the you know the heartbeat of this club, and to let them down is it's tough. You know, we know as players we let them down because we didn't perform to how we how we could and how we should have. So stick with us. You know, I know there's, there's times where you might want a little bit more from players coming in or money being spent, but we're doing our best as players that are here and want to be here, and you know that's all we can sort of give you is 100% every single week and if it goes our way it goes our way if it doesn't it does at least we know we, we put in all we can And but yeah stick with us you know we love having you supporting us every single week so we look forward to seeing you in that Kansas the first game hopefully it'll be sell out hopefully I know it'll be cold but come out <laughs> come out and watch <laughs> yeah. um, what do you expect out of Yappy good question yeah forgot about Yappy for a minute because he's, he's away anyway with the national team uh, when does he come back you know Preseason? Okay, so yeah, it'd be great. To, yeah, he's you know he's the size of him for his age. Has he just turned eighteen? Nineteen. He's a big boy. You know he's filled out. I haven't seen him since I've come back because obviously he's away. But he's got everything. You know he's tall, strong, fast. Knows where the net is. So I think he's got a big part to play this year, especially if you know we don't bring another number uh, number nine in. Sorry, which you never know. We might do. We might not. So he's probably going to have a bigger part to play if we don't. Uh, and I'd like to see that. I want to see him have a run of games and just see what he's got. You know, he's obviously got talent because he wouldn't be where he is if he didn't. So I think this year's a big year for Yappy. I think he just needs that first goal. You know, you can see when he comes on last year, he was trying too hard maybe at times. But you do when you're a young kid. You just want to get out there and you're happy to be out there. But he's talked about it. You know, he works hard in training. He does finishing after training every single day. Another thing you want to see with young players and older players too, working on their game and Big year, big year for Yappy. I think you know if he comes in and does well, it's it's his place to lose. So I'm I'm looking forward to having him back in with the squad. One more, if I can. Um, how weird is it not to not have Drew this year? Yeah. And, and will you talk about leadership earlier? Like, does that make you want to be more leader? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, Drew, fantastic person, fantastic leader. You know, again, pretty similar to myself in terms of he won't just come in and start shouting, but. He talks sense, you know, when Drew, Drew talks, you listen. Uh, but I think he'll still be around, which is nice. He's still going to be, obviously, still working for the club, so he'll he'll be in and out. He'll probably still be training with us at times because he's kept himself in good shape. Uh, but what a fantastic human, you know, and he'll be missed because, you know, I know the gaffer touched on it a few times where he, he lent on him more than maybe he needed to, but he knew what he was going to get. He was trusty. Trusty, not trusty. He was trusted and... Trusty, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and you know what you're going to get. He's experienced enough he could, he could still play listen obviously he had a couple of niggles towards the end of the season but he's speaking to him now and he, he would still put his boots on if he was needed and he'll be missed he'll be missed but hopefully he won't be too far away doing really well you know I watched a couple of games live on telly I didn't get to go to a game which is I should have really I was only about an hour away from him but that was doing really well you know it's a physical league uh but we all know Trusty from watching him here. He's, you know, he's a defender and he defends. He's an athlete. He's perfect. He's perfectly suited. And I want to see him keep developing because who knows one day he could play for Arsenal and that'd be amazing. Obviously, he's their player. So, 
but no, he's doing really well. It's really nice to see because another one, another young kid that came in, didn't know what he was coming into, but he worked hard and look where he's got him. So that's as a proper example of what you can do if you come and work hard every single day and want to improve. And so I'm, I'm chuffed to bits, Frost, and he's again another top lad that's, that's doing really well.